0: You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. When we go to gamble, we go to lose. Even when we win, it's just a matter of time before we give it all back. This is the Bet Slipping Podcast, featuring
1: Jeff Clark from USA Today Sportsbook Wire. i bet
0: you 20 bucks I can get you gambling before
1: the end of the day. No way. I mean, it's the gambling business. Occasionally get punched in the face. You're listening to the Bet Slipping Podcast. I'm shocked, shocked to find that gambling is going on in here. Man, Nate, we got a real hodgepodge of sports betting stuff to cover today. It's the first of the month, March uh, Tuesday. We're recording today uh, because we got to cover the Arnold Palmer Invitational PGA event that tees off Thursday, March third. But we also going to talk a little bit of college basketball. We got some NBA stuff. I know you got some MLS stuff. Um, How are you doing, anyways, Nate? Yeah, I'm
0: doing pretty good. I'm I'm like kind of excited for this weekend, but at the same time, this is, like you said, it's kind of a mixture of everything. And for those listening next week, we're really also looking forward to next week because we'll really get into like the whole March Madness feel of it, and then we'll have NBA playoffs. So
1: hopefully things start picking up a little bit here. Yeah, it's a little bit of a calm before the storm because, like you said, all the conference tournaments, all the, the major power conference tournaments for college basketball – Uh, tip off next Thursday. So we'll cover that in further detail next week's Bet slipping Podcast. NBA ramps up like the craziest month in the NBA is March. They called it, when I worked for the Clippers, they called it Hell Month because we literally were working, I think think we worked 29 or 30 of the 31 days because we had to work all games and obviously Monday through Friday. So March is the busiest NBA month, which is great for me. We do have some PGA tour stuff to discuss and MLS. You're going to have to help me with this. Sir. Did it start
0: recently or. Yeah. So uh, for those that didn't know, I live in Cincinnati. We have the worst MLS team in the history of the MLS almost every year. It's enjoyable. Uh We Just need lost, to find your uh, job this past weekend on the road, five to nothing. So that was thrilling. Um But yeah, MLS started next weekend. I, I watched a ton of games. I've, um, Soccer has surprisingly been, especially Champions League, has surprisingly been my most profitable sport this year, and I'm I'm. It's only three months in. I think I'm probably like six and one on soccer. So, uh, hopefully that doesn't uh, hype myself up just to lose. So we'll see. Because
1: this is the first time we'll discuss it on the pod. So wait, the three months in, and you're handicapping European soccer, but now you're shifting a little bit towards MLS. Do so I have that right?
0: Yeah, we have MLS odds already. I will try to get into more, but we had football, and really that always took precedent.
1: Well, hell yeah! Um,
0: there is some English Premier League still on, and there's some Champions League. We'll get into Champions League next week because it runs on Wednesday and Thursday, and sometimes Tuesday, I believe, too. So, uh, we'll get into that next week. They took a week off this week; they played last week. So it's it's a
1: really long process. So, all right. So yeah, like well, I said. We're gonna hit up some NBA, some college basketball, some MLS, but we'll and we'll start with the Arnold Palmer Invitational. But let's do a quick recap on last week's performance. I was three and three uh, with the bets that I went to the window with. I split both my golf and NBA picks. Uh, one one in the NBA. I hit with the Chicago Bulls. Um, I gave it out at, or excuse me, they closed at minus three and a half. They won one twelve to one oh eight. I whiffed the Memphis Grizzlies. Um, I gave them out as a, as a, a, road favorite and they actually closed. I think as a road dog versus Minnesota. They ended up losing that one out. Right. Um, and I, uh, well, how, how did, how did your best bets do last week before we yeah, talked so about I, the golf?
0: I was one in three. It was sad. Someone on Twitter reminded me of it. They, uh, tweeted at me after the heat game, telling me, Hey, the under miss, tweeted at me after the Auburn game. I was like, geez, I know. Can football just be back? So uh but CT pan did save me CT pan uh top 20 was plus 280 that hit he was tied for 16th I believe Arkansas minus 3.5 uh that was a brutal that was one of the worst beats of the whole weekend and then Auburn lost to Tennessee and uh I think the Knicks put up 110 and that was 110 100 last week so um my two college
1: basketball picks, but to be fair, almost everyone that bet college basketball had to have lost on Saturday so. I don't, dude. I got I got the one winner. I took Wisconsin over, I think Michigan, which is like the only top ten ten team that didn't lose.
0: Yeah, it was it? it had. I saw something that said like if you bet a hundred dollar money line parlay on every all the top six teams, it would have netted like thirty eight grand.
1: Yeah, you would have owned bet MGM. Um, I went. Oh, well, 0- no
0: one probably did that, and everyone probably bet Arizona money line. So.
1: Oh. <laughs> yeah that's true um, I went 0-2 in my outrights for the Honda Classic last week I took Denny McCarthy uh, top 20 in a win he finished T30 at plus 2 I took Lucas Glover uh, to win in top 20 he finished T30 plus 2 as well but I won my two head to head bets the first one that I, I I gave out I took Sepp Straka over Dylan Fratelli at minus 115 Sepp Straka actually won the tournament outright I live bet him Sunday when he was down two strokes at plus eight hundred and eighty, just to kind of mitigate my my uh, other losses. So that uh, that lessened, I guess the the beating that I took in the Honda Classic. That was nice. I got to do a better job of giving out those kind of plays uh, when I make them um, on Twitter. But I'm a little sheepish about sheepish, excuse me, about my golf stuff because I am very new at handicapping it, but. I got a huge win with my other head to head. I didn't weigh it any heavier and go into the window last week, but I won with Russell Knox over Matthew Wolf. I took it at a minus 112 on FanDuel. They were even odds at minus 112. And I think this handicap belongs in the gambling museum, dude. I was gambling so, hall of fame, gambling hall of fame. I was so fired up about it. So, Russell Knox going into last week was, I think, the 220th ranked golfer in the world. Matthew Wolf was ranked 35th and they had the exact same odds. You always go with the 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 um, the lesser oh ranked golfer because yeah. I mean like how like it's it's just like it's just like betting team sports like there are trap lines of course in golf and you don't think like Vegas or the sportsbook baked um, their world golf rankings into the number like of course like it's not like anyone who bet Matthew Wolf. Was like getting ahead because, oh, well, he's 35th in uh, world ranking, the other guy's 220th. And Matthew Wolf ended up finishing dead last in that tournament. He was 11 after the first round and missed the cut at 17. Russell Knox finished plus five. I think he was minus one after three rounds, but like he sucked too. But it was a fate against Matthew Wolf because. The course that they played on last week at the Honda Classic was one of the toughest courses on the tour, and this guy's a wild, as uh, a wild has a wild driver and put it in the in the water a couple of times. So I'm pretty happy about that one. Um, so I, I, I scratched out a, an even performance in last week's bet slip, and I'm I'm excited to get into this week's handicap. So we have a lot to cover. You you ready to, ready to do it, or do you have any other uh, final thoughts about last week's stuff?
0: Nope, my boy C T Pan went uh even tied for sixteenth. Kepka was tied for sixteenth, Horschul, so so wanna you're... know on my on my gambling golf uh record. Yeah. The dude. insurance bros got me. Let's just say that.
1: Dude, that I was talking to you about this on Slack. That's the coolest angle. Like you work in insurance, a bunch of people you know uh play golf, so you're just gonna talk to them. I love that. It's beautiful. So what, what typically
0: happens is these guys are really good at golf. I've, I, I suck. I am trying to get really good. I got a I got a new driver. My golf friends think the driver's awesome. I've been going out, I've been hitting at the range, but I know that like golf's a game that you got to build the knowledge base for If someone else has the knowledge base while I'm building my knowledge base. And I can also look at the stats and take some opinion. You got to, it's a collective effort here.
1: Absolutely. No, that's, that's great. Um, that's a great point. And I, you know, I, I look at all the numbers, all the strokes gain stuff, but ultimately, like, I'm playing how the mark, how I like read the market, and I'm going off other people's opinions, fading certain people, um, grooving to some people's opinions. So, I mean, I, I, and, and, and you, or we're, we're both just like, you know, old school handicappers. We take our info, uh, or grab info in a lot of different ways and fire based on the info accumulated. Um, but, we're gonna take um, last week's CT Pan CT Pan week or a win, excuse me, into this week's Arnold Palmer Invitational. It's a uh, par seventy-two. It's one of the longer courses in the uh, in the uh, in the tour, seven thousand four hundred fifty-four yards. They played at Bay Hill Club and Lodge. Obviously, it was uh, designed by the Arnold Palmer team. There's one hundred and twenty golfers in this field. Uh, Brayson DeChambeau won last year at, I think, minus 11. So he's the defending champion. Um, it's much easier to hit fairways uh, versus this uh, uh, the average PGA Tour course at Bay Hill, but it's uh, a lot harder to hit greens. Uh, I thought this was interesting. Tiger Woods won this tournament eight times. Eight times this guy won it. He won it four straight from 2000 to 2003. And four to six from two thousand eight.
0: And the bag right now is twelve million, so I need Tiger to pay some college for me.
1: Well, I mean, yeah, he's not he's not in this tournament, but he has won it eight times, so uh, he's killing it. And some of the KPIs that I looked at um, were were I'm looking at. Hold on, let me pull up my sheet again. Sorry, sorry. I'm looking at um, the last twenty four rounds played, so how they're trending, the course history. Um, strokes gained by the putter on Berm- um, Bermuda grasses. I'm also looking at strokes gained approach versus long rough because there's, uh, there's a long rough in, in uh, at Bay Hill Club. Um, and I'm looking at total strokes gained on big courses since this is one of the biggest courses on the tour. And uh, what I arrived at, my best bets, I got uh, Cameron Tringale to place top 20. I'm taking... Um, Christian Bazenhut to be the top South African golfer at plus 250. Um, both of those actually are on Tipico, which is the sponsor of this podcast. So I'll have to read a uh, do an ad read for them soon. And then I have three head-to-head plays. What do you have on your um, Arnold Palmer invitational bet slip? So I
0: have Russell Henley at plus 350 to get into the top 10, which is my riskiest play my favorite play, which I'm liking even more is Gary Woodland plus two thirty to get into the top
1: 20 uh he he balled last week at the uh at the Honda Classic. I think he finished like fourth minus five so when
0: when I was um
1: we ready for me to get into this yeah yeah, who are you talking about first? so
0: I'm gonna be talking about Gary Woodland and i wasn't even so i was reading it and then i started looking up things on the arnold palmer invitational just like any rookie is trying to handicap this and i re- there was an article on it the first thing type in arnold palmer invitational right now on Safari. you're going to get a pga tour interview with gary woodland let me read you a, let me read you a quote he said i was denying where i had dropped in the world denying everything that happened to me a couple couple paragraphs later Last week was a big step for me. I was able to do stuff last week, hitting a golf ball that I hadn't done in a long time. Gary Woodland is feeling himself. He was tied for fifth at the Honda Classic after missing the cut in the waste waste management open the week before. And then he was tied for 39th in the Farmers open earlier in the year. Um, Woodland didn't participate in the Arnold Palmer last year. Um, but his strength seems to be off the tee, which he ranks 45th in strokes gained. And as you kind of mentioned, that it, that's going to be, bode well for him in the longer course. Definitely hitting that fairway. So right now he's 93rd in the FedEx Cup, um, and he has 49 top 10 finishes on his career. Woodland is uh, one thing, like you also noted, it's a long course. He's a beast with his driver. He averaged 314 yards per driver, which, which ranked 14th at the Honda Classic. So he's heating up last week. He's obviously kind of feeling himself. A top contender in DeChambeau's out. Uh, I like him to to get into the top 20. Also, I saw that Gaming Today noted that Woodland at plus 230 was among their best prop bets. So I had this in my mind before I saw that,
1: but it's always good to get that little confirmation. Hell yeah. All right. Well, I'm on Cameron. Uh Tringol to be plus or top 20 at plus 260. It's actually on typical. So I subscribe to fantasynational.com, which is like a user friendly golf model website that allows you to track like advanced analytics of golf and you can build your own models and originate your own prices. I'm new to this, I don't, I don't know what, honestly, I don't really know what I'm doing. I don't even know how many clubs are on the goddamn golf bag, but uh, I am kind of learning as I go. I put my money up. Um, and you know, I'm doing pretty well this, this year. So, uh, Cameron Tringal is actually 11th in my, uh, in my created model. He's 13th or has finished 13th or better in his, in three of his last five tourneys, he was third at the Farmers, So he's playing pretty well and he's been around the top 20, um, often here at Bay Hill, but has yet to break through. He finished 31st last year, 27th, um, um I think 2 years before that and had another 27th finish. So I think he breaks through, he's he's trending really well and um I have him at 11th in my in my new model thing. Um and the top player that I'm taking, I'm taking Christian Bazinhoo to be the top South African. That's also plus 250 on Tipico. Again, my model has him ranked 10th in the field and the next closest South African, I have him. I have ranked in that field is eighty-first at one hundred and twenty players. So, I think there's a bunch of value on there. Um, um, he is the favorite to to be the top uh, ranked South African in the in the Arnold Palmer Invitational. He's actually third in true strokes gained at Bay Hill and fourth in strokes gained versus expectations at Bay Hill. He was seventh last year and tied eighteenth in um, twenty twenty, and he's also has the third best um, strokes gained by putter at on Bermuda greens um, in the entire field, so I'm going with Christian Bazenhoot to be the top South African golfer. What's your other um, Arnold Palmer pick?
0: Yeah, just quickly, golf is so funny with those with those props. What if what if I could pick uh, like on a given night Andrew Wiggins to be the top Canadian scorer in NBA?
1: That would be hilarious. I think if golf if golf betting um popularity like that is something every
0: sport every betting sport can learn from that
1: yeah like that is sick do, is that like i had to talk you into a, a betting golf or handicapping golf a little bit but once you start to do it it's like holy, there's so many options there's so many different things to bet it's exciting right
0: yeah no it's sick all right so my um my second bet is russell henley plus 350 to make the top 10 he's got he's really good in a lot of areas
1: mm-hmm. uh
0: So he has some impressive stats on the PGA Tour, some things that I really find uh, useful. He ranks 7th in strokes gained approaching the green, 29th in strokes gained around the green, 10th in strokes gained T to green, and then 12th in strokes gained in general. He has a 21st FedEx Cup ranking. he has two top 10 finishes this season. And Henley's been extremely consistent this season. So I want to put him in the top 10. I want those odds. But you can get him... Gosh, I should have written this down. So I'd rather go with him in the top 10. He has two top 10 finishes where he has three top 20 finishes and eight in the top 40 out of nine tournaments. So he's consistently been in the top 40. I think his top 40 odds were like minus 160 or something. So it wasn't that great to get him in the top 40, but he's been extremely consistent. He's got a lot of good numbers, lost strokes gained off the tee in total. So it seems like he's a pretty safe bet to uh, take. And, I mean, if he has got a good round,
1: good few rounds, plus 350, a re- plus 350 is a really good odd for him. So I have him at plus 250 to be top 10 or top 20 and plus 480 for top 10. Which one are you giving out? 480? I have plus 350 for top 10. So I'll go 480. I like 480 a bit more. And top 10. we We'll see where I get this. I think I got mine off DraftKings. Well, Tipico has um, um, Russell Henley at plus four eighty. Um, oh hell yeah, take Tipico then. Let's go. Yeah, I know four eighty. Christian. So Tipico, you got to shop around for the best numbers before you make these bets. Um, always look for the best numbers, and Tipico actually has pretty good numbers on outrights. Um, the Christian Bazenhoot south african top golfer it's plus 200 on every other book but tipico is giving it a plus 250 so there are some good odds i don't like their head-to-head um odds because they only offer three three three-way lines and i'm not trying to like lose on a tie so i'm gonna give out my my next three head-to-heads at other books but again always make sure to 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 shop around for the best price but um did you get out your russell henley piece or do you have more to add to that
0: uh, I don't. I just think he's been consistent. A lot of his numbers look good. His strokes gained, approaching the green. As you noted, it's easy to hit the fairway on the course. It's not easy
1: to hit the green. So, Well, according to my dashboard, he's the fourth best golfer um, in this field. He's the third best golfer in the last 24 rounds in this field, and he has the best shot strokes gained an approach out of the long rough. Uh, the only issue with him is that he has not performed very well at this course. So, but to your point, I mean, directionally, your your handicap makes a lot of sense. I mean, the guy is killing it right now and you're getting a, a sick price, so I don't hate that at all. Um, I do have three head-to-heads here. My first one, I'm going Rory McElroy, plus one twenty over John Rahm. John Rahm's a favorite, but he's being priced as if he's like Tiger Woods. He's plus eight hundred on Tipico right now. Roy McIlroy I think is second favorite at plus 1200 and I think Roy McIlroy should be the first favorite. My model has him as the as a as the uh, top ranked golfer um or you know the best chance of winning um in this field. He's he's first in strokes gained um at Bay Hill and he uh and he's first in strokes gained at these big courses plus 7200 yards. Um, Ram has never played at Bay Hill, so maybe you know he's uh, on a learning curve, and um, it's around the fair price, um, as dished out by the head to head tool provided by Fantasy National. And I just I can't help but take the plus 120 with Rory McElroy. Uh, my next bet here, um, all of these are going to the window with me, but I'm taking Keith Mitchell at minus 126 over Paul Casey, and that's available at. Fan duel And this is the same type of concept, or at least the foundation of my handicap is the same concept as I had Nate before with uh, Russell Knox and Matthew Wolf. Uh, Keith Mitchell is actually getting, is actually more expensive than Paul Casey, but Paul Casey's 27th ranked in the world and Keith Mitchell is 73rd. So most people, most novices, which I think is Mostly everyone betting golf, right? I mean, like, it's kind of a new thing. We're all figuring it out together for the most part. I think they're gonna look at Paul Casey getting a plus number being the better ranked golfer, and that's where, you know, a lot of I guess new betters or less savvy betters are gonna put their money. Um, and the head to head tool, Casey is actually a minus one twenty eight favorite, so people will be further backed up by Fantasy National, but Mitchell has the second best shots gained or strokes gained versus expectation in Bayhill in this week or in this field this week. Uh, Casey's got a below average strokes gain versus expectation, and Mitchell's trending much better than Casey. He's six um, in sh- strokes gained over the last 24 rounds, um, he's 12th or better in four of the last five tourneys. Um, Casey's set 71st in strokes gained over the last 24 rounds in this field, and uh, his best finish in the last five tourneys is 15th. So let's go with Keith Mitchell over Paul Casey. That's available at FanDuel minus 126. And then the final best bet I'm going with, or head-to-head best bet, I'm going with Sungjae J M 112 over Hideki Matsuyama. Um, that's on Fanduel even money. I think this is again another odds makers trap. Matsuyama is eleventh in uh, the world golf rankings. M is twenty fourth. Um, and M just missed the cut at Honda, and he was the favorite. So I think a bunch of people are gonna fade him and like kind of be mad at him for for um uh really kind of shit in the bed last week in the Honda Classic. Matsuyama also is. Terrible on putting on Bermuda surfaces. He loses strokes on Bermuda surfaces. He's 98th out of 120th in strokes gained on Bermuda surfaces via the putter. Um, M actually is uh, 42nd out of 120th and gained strokes, whereas Matsuyama loses strokes on Bermuda putting green. So that's my uh, three head-to-heads and uh, two of my my uh, my finishing props. But... That's what I got for the Arnold Palmer Invitational. I'll remind you guys before we get out of here, I go into the window, but you ready to move on to some hoops? Yeah, let's do it. All right, so this is where you're going to take center stage. We're going to talk some college basketball. Well, actually, you're going to talk college basketball. you got a two ga- two games you like, so take it away.
0: Yeah, so I figured we're doing a Sports Bank podcast. There's no way that we cannot talk about Coach K's final time Play in North Carolina, well, probably unless they meet in the tournament, it'll probably be his last time. So
1: last time Duke in Cameron Indoor, Car- right?
0: Yeah, yep. Duke is hosting North Carolina. I think this is kind of a trap line for Duke. I assume the line's going to be about nine point five. They destroyed the Tar Heels in uh, was it Durham or is that Chapel Hill? No, they played Chapel Hill. Chapel Hill. They yeah. destroyed the Tar Heels in Chapel Hill earlier this season. Beat them by twenty. Didn't even really look close. I remember I was in Philadelphia for that game. They crushed them. Um, I I tend to think UNC at least keeps it close in this one. A lot of times their matchups have been close. Three of their six last matchups in the rivalry have been decided by five or fewer points. The spread's definitely going to be greater than five. And the other thing that I like when I'm looking at games is it's hard to take one game and count it for a full series or a full season. Duke shot 58% from the field against UNC um AJ Griffin had himself a great game that's probably just not that's probably not going to happen again Leaky Black and Caleb Love two guards that combined for about t- over 20 a game only had about 12 and UNC is one of the few teams that really has the size that can compete with Mark Williams and Paulo Benchero. they're both big players Williams is a legit seven footer I believe and uh Bacon is just, that. that's UNC's leading score. That's their go-to. They should be able to keep it close. I like UNC anything under, uh, I would say, plus nine and a half.
1: Um, just for the listeners at home, that game tips off at uh, 6 o'clock Eastern Standard Time on ESPN uh, Saturday, March 5th. According to Ken Palm, Duke is the fifth best team in the country. North Carolina's 40th. Ken Palm, who's a... Uh, college basketball advanced guru or analytics guru has Duke winning 82 71. So the line you said, what was your guess on it? Yeah, I was thinking it was
0: going to be like around 9.5. I mean, if it's 11, I, I like 11 too. Duke gets some pretty big spreads. Uh, I believe they've been pretty good at home. I had their figures like directly on here earlier, but I don't think they were like overly
1: convincing everywhere. Either way. I think they were like, eight, seven, and one against a spread at home or something. Well, Ken Palm's projections are usually pretty in line with the market. If you see something that's way off, you probably should go with Ken Palm in that case. But So it will probably be around nine and a half, ten, 10, something like that. It could, it could be an even 11, but you're around the right number, I think.
0: Yeah, so a- another thing that I would say is you probably want to see the line movement in this game. Uh, if I'm expecting Duke, honestly, whatever the number is, If it's nine and a half, ten and a half, I expect them to be big favorites. So I would wait till that uh, 530 mark to actually hammer anything on this
1: game. Yeah. And real quick, you like North Carolina getting the points. Yeah. And I like
0: UNC with the points. Uh, It's definitely more just a lean. This was really one of the games I love to handicap. I don't know if it's going to be one of my best bets, but I felt like it was a game we should have touched on at least.
1: Absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, Coach K's final game or final uh, meeting with UNC at uh, Cameron Indoor is huge. I don't know if I'll have action on it. I just, <coughs> excuse me, I like flying in on college basketball games like 10 minutes before they, they tip off. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I just look at like betting splits, whether it be Vegas inside our pregame and kind of make my decision. I don't even know who plays in half these games, if we're being honest. Yeah. Um, Next game though, a Big Twelve matchup. You like uh, Kansas, Texas? Where do you, what are you seeing in that one?
0: Yeah, so both teams have been have played some absolute thrillers lately. Surprisingly, both are against both played Baylor lately, and both were given the same result—a uh, pretty nice loss because Baylor is probably one of the favorites to win the NCAA championship. So this is actually an interesting game because against ranked teams, while Ken Palm has. Kansas seventh and Texas 15th in the rankings. They've both kind of sucked against the spread against ranked teams. So Kansas is two and six against the spread versus ranked teams and Texas is two and eight, obviously against in the big 12, they have uh, one, two, three, four, they have four top 20 teams. So they play a lot of, they play ranked teams quite a bit and on the road, it's never too easy. Uh, a ton of the key stats I like kind of are favoring Kansas so Kansas is going to be at home they're eight and seven against the spread at home whereas Texas is three and seven on the road. Texas just really hasn't been a good road team this season. They've uh, they've been great at home but uh, it's just hard to see that continuing and they so they've been uh, I looked up Texas, not Texas basketball. I was looking up Texas football. Let me look up their road record real quick because it's just something that's not – I don't believe it's that great. Um, so they are – looks like they're 21-9 and nine on the season, and I'm not getting the road record. We'll catch that later. But I don't think it's anything great. I know they've been great at home. So I'm taking Kansas to bounce back and win this game. Kansas is one of the best offenses in the nation. They've, they score around 80 points per game and shoot about 49% from the field and texas won a huge rebounding edge last time these two teams played and that's why uh they were that's why they were able to beat kansas they beat them 79-76 they scored 79 points for a texas team that is averaging 69 per game that's pretty good uh they had like i said they had nine more offensive rebounds i don't see that happening round 2 and kind of like duke unc i don't want to take one game for a whole series or for a whole season. So I don't think Kansas will allow that. They have good size. They'll be decent favorites here, probably six and a half point, seven and a half point favorites. That's what I would play them to. Anything over 8.5 would be way too much in a uh, primetime Big 12 matchup. But if you can get Kansas at minus 6.5, I think they're going to have a very good game versus Texas. Uh,
1: according to team rankings, Texas is 4-6. Um, and six straight up as a, an away team and one in four um, as an away underdog. Let me pull up the ETS trend on that one real quick.
0: Yeah. And they're a top 25 side. So, and as we saw this past weekend, it's it's really hard to win on the road. Um, all the six teams that lost the historic college basketball game, they were all on the road. And that's kind of something I, I foresee here. Texas is not going to play that well on the road. They lost by seven. Failed to cover at home against Baylor, and they've played well this season. They'll definitely make the tournament. I just don't think they're going to do well against Kansas in this game.
1: Yeah, Texas is one of the few teams that I've bet on this year, and they've let me down the two times that i bet them. I'm, you know, Chris Beard is uh, their new coach who they poached from Texas Tech, um, and he's going to have them probably in the final four in the next five years. I'm high on that guy, but um, I, I've whiffed on him with Texas a couple of times. This year, Uh, the ATS trends back you up in this one, at least on Texas' side. I'm not looking at Kansas, but um, against the spread, uh, Texas is three and seven on the road, one and four as a road dog, seven, nine, and one against fellow Big Twelve teams, and they're two and eight against ranked teams against the spread. So you're uh, the trends back you up. Hopefully, it keeps it. You said you're your buy price you're tapped out at minus yes. eight
0: six and a half seven and a half is what i would buy it at anything over that just watch the game for fun and don't bet it because at that point if you bet on texas at plus eight and a half you're gonna kick yourself for not betting kansas but then kansas at eight and a half in a prime time big 12 match, i just don't like spreads over 10 and or over two ranked opponents over 10 or over eight in a primetime matchup is something I try to
1: stay away with in college. Yeah. And college basketball gets weird. Like they'll foul down nine with like 10 seconds left. What the hell?
0: Oh, believe me. I've been burnt on that way too many times this season. (laughs) It it honestly just pisses you off.
1: Yeah. 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 I get so frustrated betting college basketball. Um, but we're going to do a deep dive on it next week. So, all right. Those are your college basketball plays. Yep. All right, Faden, uh, Coach K's final uh, game against UNC at Cameron Indoor. Can I will
0: I- say I'm pretty sure they're still going to win. I just expect. I see. I don't even think it does Coach K justice to beat them by 30. Is that what the rivalry is really about? Now I'm not saying that's that's what that's going to play into, but I don't I don't think they destroy them. To your point, though,
1: like. It does it feel like, like it's a close mind, it game. Makes... They rallied at the end to win, and Coach Coach K and everyone in the crowd cries at the end because it it's feels like so a buzzer much better. Beater. Yeah,
0: they're down six with two minutes left. Baycott had the game of his life, just abusing Mark Williams so much fouls for the Duke is getting screwed by the refs, and then AJ Griffin makes two threes and but UNC covers. Yeah, everyone lo- goes crazy. Coach K gets a send off. I get my I get my bet right.
1: Yeah, every, yeah, yeah. ESPN, uh, they get they get their their kick-ass college basketball ratings, and everyone wins.
0: Yeah, so everyone wins except Duke backers. And honestly, I've I've kind of hated on Duke at home this season. I I haven't looked it up, but Duke's two home losses aren't like very good home losses. I don't I don't know. I feel like it was probably to like Wake Forest or someone. But I'm I'm not as high on Duke as other people are. Um, they I, lost to Virginia and they lost to Miami at home. Now, albeit they are still fifteen and two at home, so you gotta take that into consideration. But they've lost to two unranks at home, so whatever floats your boat. Well,
1: yeah, they're only eight, seven, and two against the spread as a home favorite. Um, Ten and eight against the spread as uh, in conference play. So they're not like you know they're not world beaters by any means. Yep. All right, uh, I have a couple NBA things to talk about. I don't know if you have much NBA to discuss, Number but um, all right, cool. I only have two games. There's not a lot of movement in the future markets, uh, at least not enough to like inspire any betting or handicapping convo. The one um, thing that I'm looking at, I'm looking at playing an Eastern Conference future. Um, I like the 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 Celtics, I think, but to be honest, they're, they're plus nine hundred right now. And I think they're going to be around that price around the playoffs. So I'm just going to wait until then. Um, I know a few sharp people are back in the Denver Nuggets to come out of the West. I think they're plus like 1,700 currently. The West is more of a crapshoot than I think a lot of people realize. I think a lot of people just penciled in the Phoenix Suns. Um, And Denver Nuggets is starting to get some sharp money because of the news that Michael Porter Jr. will return this month and the expectation that Jamal Murray will also return. So... I don't have any specific plays on any futures, but I am going to give you guys a couple games that I'm looking at. Um, the New Orleans Pelicans actually host the Sacramento Kings um, tomorrow, Wednesday, March 2nd. I'm going to write that up for sportsbookwire.com. I'll have some more intel and more um, factoids and analysis behind it, but I think the Pelicans beat the shit out of the Kings tomorrow, <laughs> and and that's pretty much that's the gist of my um the 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 foundation of my handicap. Uh, New Orleans started out one in twelve, and two of those losses were to, to the Sacramento Kings. They've been, I think, above five hundred since then. Brandon Ingram actually missed one of those games and uh, against the Kings earlier this season. But since February first, New Orleans has the seventh best non garbage time net rating and the third best ATS differential, and they're, they're seven and four straight up. Also, we talked about this. Um, I feel the exact same about De'Aaron Fox as I do about Demontis Sabonis. I think both those guys suck. I think Jonas Valanciunas is going to wear out Demontis Sabonis tomorrow, Um, and I think CJ McCollum is going to wear out. De'Aaron Fox as well. Brandon Ingram, I think. I mean, Sacramento is just bad everywhere defensively. So Brandon Ingram should be able to get some points. I like how that team's trending. Um, The look ahead's minus five. I would play it up to Pelicans minus seven. I think they're going to kill the Kings. What's your, uh, your one NBA play?
0: Yeah, for the sake of it, I played the Kings under last night, and it was absolutely pissing me off. Just watching Sabonis back down all these small centers like Isaiah Roby or something. He's like probably 200 pounds. So yeah, you got
1: Valanciunas down there. He's gonna eat Sabonis. Yeah, I do not like I do not like his game very much. I think he's very so, overrated.
0: My one play is on the Grizzlies and Celtics. I spent some time actually researching this game. Found kind of a cool a couple cool little trends. Uh, I'm going to bet on the Grizzlies, and this might be one of my better bets Like that I really like. I'm not really sure what the line is. I was going to ask you, what's, what's your thought on the line on that game? Grizzlies at Celtics. I think both the Celtics... teams are almost
1: full strength. I'm thinking like Grizzlies four and a half. Grizzlies getting four and a half, plus four and a half. Yeah, uh, No, favorite four and a half. No, no. No, it would be the other way. I think it would be Celtics plus four and a half. <sighs> I'm taking that all day then. All right. So, um, this is interesting.
0: Here, here, okay, go ahead. I guess, I guess we'll have some beef at the end of this one. I don't know. So, I, I'm,
1: this is a game I'm staying away from. I was going to briefly talk about the Thursday slate cause it's so stacked, but you have one pick on Thursday. I have another one. Then we'll do quick leans and likes with the other three games that I think are sick, but talk me into this one way or the other. I, I don't know.
0: Uh, Memphis is the best covering team in the NBA. The Grizzlies also rank as the best offensive rebounding team in the NBA the Celtics are currently 18th in defensive rebounding, which should give quite a bit of uh, extra opportunities to Memphis. And while Boston's defense has been much better this season, it's although Marcus Smart is back there and they just got Derek White, they're not very good at defending guards. So the Grizzlies rank third in guards points per game with Desmond Bain and John Morant back there, but the Celtics rank 25th in opponents guards per, or guard points per game, and I think that's important considering how they defend players obviously there are a lot of great players at all positions in the NBA, but if you can't defend guards at a high level, then you're going to be screwed against Moran. Um, so considering how many more second chances, I believe Memphis or Memphis should get offensively. And I bet on the Celtics to cover. Maybe maybe this is just me being mad because I bet on the Celtics to cover against the Pacers and they got Molly whopped at home a couple nights ago. So, uh, I, I think Boston's probably getting a little overhyped. Their defense is among the best in the league right now. They've climbed up the rankings, but uh they can't defend the perimeter and I'll take Memphis on that.
1: Well, they should have a significant rebounding edge, Memphis. If anything, base they're not based, but after I to your analysis, I kind of feel like the under might be the sharper pledge because Grizzlies are like all effort, all hustle, crashing the glass and all that stuff. They're not a very good shooting team and I think they're going to defensively be able to hold Boston to I don't know under under 110 points. So um, if that total yeah and beneath so 220.
0: I and I'm I've never been like the biggest Robert Williams fan. And Al Horford's only getting like 27, 28 minutes per game. And I think Al Horford's kind of gotten a lot worse lately. Anyway, he's only averaging 7.6 boards per game. So even he could get up by he could get eaten up by Adams. So.
1: I guess we'll see. Adams has just been so underrated this season. Yeah, dude, that guy is just a rebounding juggernaut. It's incredible, actually. Um, all right, so the final best bet that I have uh, the Thursday slate as well. Um, um, Nate's game is uh, a Thursday. Uh, the 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 Boston and Memphis game is seven thirty in Boston on Thursday, and the game that I like, I'm taking the uh, the Atlanta Hawks over the Chicago Bulls. Um, Hawks are at home. That's also a Thursday game. Tips off tips off at seven o'clock. We hit the Bulls last week against the Atlanta Hawks, but if anyone watched that game, we got we got dumb lucky getting home there. They had no business covering that game. Um, it was it was seesaw battle. Atlanta had the lead, I think, in the second half. But Demar Derozan was just sensational, and they needed him to be brilliant. We needed him to be brilliant to cash that ticket. Dude scored 37 points and 71% shooting. I got to think regression has come, and he averaged nearly 35 points per game in February, which just phenomenal, I think, is a, a legitimate MVP contender. But um, Chicago is 3-0 straight up and against a spread versus Atlanta this season, but their first two wins um, against Atlanta was when, when Atlanta was dealing with some COVID-related absences. Um, And, and I think Trey Young... Um, has a better game, a bounce-back effort against Chicago this next time around. He had 14 points on 18% shooting. Last week against Chicago, it was 0-5 from the three-point line. And Atlanta just missed a lot of quality looks. Um, they were plus seven in offensive rebounding margin. Um, and their free-throw percentage, free-throw rate, was was well below Chicago's. And I think that should improve a little bit. Um, just by attacking the glass or attacking the basket more and being at home. So, again, Chicago really shouldn't have covered against Atlanta last week. Um, So I think that ETS win is very misleading. I'll take the Hawks. um, And I think the Hawks will probably be getting or be laying. I think it'll be laying like three and a half. I'd play it up to Hawks minus four and a half at home against the Chicago Bulls. Uh but that's all I got for the NBA. Uh oh, real quick, let's let's just do quick leans on the uh other three interesting games on the Thursday slate. Again, Thursday, March third. Um, so Golden State at Dallas. I had the Golden State money line the other night. Holy shit, was that a terrible beat. That made me feel crappy. Do you think Dallas beats them for a second straight game? Or so second straight March meeting? March
0: third. I think I'm at the point in my life where if Draymond Green is not playing, you should not bet the Warriors. They're 2-5. and five. I mean, they play tonight, so they play on Tuesday. They are at Minnesota. I wrote up for Sportsbook Wire, take the Timberwolves. Uh, and then I don't, I think take them again. Keep taking the Warriors until they start winning again. You keep betting, fading I don't, the Warriors. I don't think you take them here. I don't think you take them if Draymond Green's not playing.
1: Yeah, I, do. I can't get my arms around this Warrior team. I, I lean to the Mavericks, right, but – the Warriors did look so good against them for the first three quarters and they beat the shit out of them um, in their second meeting this season after um, uh, they beat them in their second meeting this season by like 30, 40 points. But I'm with you, dude. And Klay Thompson's got this weird illness that has him sidelined tonight. Draymond Green, they're saying he's going to be back in short um, uh, pretty soon, but it definitely won't be Thursday. I don't. I lean towards Dallas. I don't have an official play on that one. Obviously, uh, another game though. Miami at Brooklyn. Um, I think it's just more interesting. But Kevin Durant is coming back pretty soon. I don't think he'll be active for that game. Miami should boat race Brooklyn, right?
0: Yeah. But what do you think the spread's going to be? It's got to be eight and a half, nine and a half. Everyone knows. I mean, Brooklyn sucks at home. They just got destroyed by Toronto. It could be up to like eleven and a half.
1: Yeah. When when does Brooklyn do they play again tonight? Um, they play the Raptors again tonight. That's right. Yeah. And I'm I'm taking the under in that game. And they're um, eight
0: point favorites there. Eight point underdogs there.
1: Yeah, I think they'll probably be at least a seven and a half, eight point underdog against Miami, depending. Or, especially, it's be. especially considering how well Miami's trending as of late. I mean, they're balling out. Um, first first place in the Eastern Conference, so. Uh, And and then the other game I think is mad interesting is the Battle of Los Angeles. Lakers technically visiting the Clippers, but they're uh, arena mates. The Clippers have gotten lucky against the Lakers in their last two meetings, but they've beaten them six straight. Do you think – I guess what I'm most interested in getting your feedback is, what do you think of this Laker team? Do you even think they make the plan?
0: So I saw your tweet the other day. I saw you said – Pelicans money line. I had a three and oh day going into like it was like 9 30 I was three and 0 that day, and I was like, you know what? Screw it. Jeff has Jeff has Pelicans money line. I'll, I'll toss a unit on Pelicans money line blindly. They absolutely destroyed the Lakers. The Lakers looked horrible. None of their playmate. If if are if your go to is really still Carmelo Anthony making a pull up elbow jumper that's from two point range, which analytics guys hate now, or like your best play is Malik Monk or Avery Bradley shooting the ball. You're not going to go anywhere. Um, I heard someone say the other day that LeBron James just can't take a a group of scrubs to the, to the playoffs anymore, to the finals. And without Anthony Davis, it's really what it's looking like. I, I think I would take the Clippers. They're just deeper. They have scores and they know how to play their style. I think the Lakers don't even have a style, you know, like they're just, They're out there playing. You don't know who's going to take the ball. Is Russell Westbrook going to randomly back someone down and miss something? You just don't know. And I think the Clippers are more set in who they are and their identity as a team and really their strengths.
1: Yeah, I mean, Ty Lue probably is the NBA coach of the year, at least in my eyes. I don't think he's going to win it. But the fact that they're above 500 without Paul George, without Kawhi Leonard, is absolutely insane. Like
0: yeah, if you're above 500 in the west with Reggie Jackson, Marcus Morris and Luke Kennard as your scores,
1: that's off. Yeah, like like Reggie Jackson is like a volume shooter for the Clippers and they're above 500. Like that's crazy. That's crazy. And the the Lakers are what four games behind them. They have four top 75 players. Obviously, you got to add some context there with uh Carmelo Anthony, but you don't really need to with Anthony Davis. Russell Westbrook or LeBron James they're just they suck this year um I think I don't know it's it's pretty much impossible to bet against the Clippers against uh versus the Lakers considering their recent head-to-head history which is an outlandish statement but that's the fact of the matter here um all right well I think that pretty much covers it you know I, I I'm uh I got all my handicaps out of the way how about you yeah, for the most part. Let me get one more in. So Oh right. No, I'm tripping. We gotta talk some MLS. What else do you God? Have? I love soccer. Let yeah. me get
0: let me get this one handicap in. Yeah. It's kind of a spicy one. It's one that after after watching this past slate of games this past weekend, I absolutely love. And it's plus money. It's plus one forty actually. So it's gonna be LAFC against the Portland Timbers. And it's just it's a game I'm excited for. So I was looking down this MLS slate, kinda trying to decide what I wanted to bet. And they're there really wasn't a ton of high-profile games, but this one was. So LAFC has the best player in the MLS. He was a 2019 Golden Boot. His name's uh, Carlos Vela. He, right now, he had three goals in the first weekend. He's got more goals than 22 other MLS teams because he had a hat trick as the op- in the opening game against Colorado. He's the only one that scored in that whole game. And Colorado was one of those, the second best defensive team in the West last year, allowing 35 goals in 34 games. Yet they allowed three all to Carlos Vela. So now they is going to come, he's going to re- stay home and he's going to get a Portland team that was almost giving up two goals per game. Portland allowed 52 goals in 34 games last year, and they had a two, two draw with new England. So that shows me their offense still has it. I love Carlos Bay. I think he's the best player in the MLS. The over 3.5 here, usually at 3.5 is where you really get good odds in the MLS. Cause it's, it's pretty unlikely. Most games are 2-0, 2-1, something like that. So I think this game ends 2-2, 3-1, 3-2. I think it's uh high scoring, and I think Vea has proven that he's back to his 2019 form after his injuries. Portland's a high scoring team, so uh I like it. Over 3.5 in LAFC
1: Portland. Hell yeah, man. All right. Well, uh before we uh wrap up this Podcast with our best bets, I mean, shout out to our sponsor, Tipico Sportsbook, uh, their global sports betting leader that's live in New Jersey and Colorado. You can make your favorite sports more interesting with Tipico's easy mobile sportsbook app. New users from this podcast can get a special welcome bonus. It's available at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions do apply you must be 21 or older so please see Tipico's website for details uh if you have a gambling problem as well uh please call 1-800-GAMBLER for New Jersey and 1-800-522-4700 for Colorado all right so like tradition, um, as is bet slipping tradition let's wrap this puppy up with our final and our final segment we call going to the window the bet slipping podcast Going to the window. All right, so I kind of got a lot of my bed slip here. Um, my NBA plays are: I'm going with the Atlanta Hawks over the Chicago Bulls on Thursday. I'd play that up to Hawks minus four and a half, and I'll take the um, I'll take the New Orleans Pelicans up to minus six and a half at home against the Sacramento Kings tomorrow, March second. I have five golf plays to give out, but why don't you give some of your uh, hoops plays?
0: So I have two hoops plays Kansas up to minus six and a half, and then the Grizzlies at plus two and a half. And those should both be, uh, I would say, cheap lines. Like they should be, those should be the worst of the lines, I would hope.
1: All right. And then um, you give out your MLS pick as well before we end it with golf.
0: My MLS pick is LAFC versus Portland over three and a half goals at plus 140. And then I'll go ahead and give my two golf plays. I got Gary Woodland plus 230 in top 20 and Russell Henley top 10 at plus 480.
1: All right. I'm taking Cameron Tringall at plus two uh, in the top 20 at plus 260. That's available at Tipico, our sponsor. I'm taking Christian Biesenhut. Top South African, which is plus two fifty at Tipico, that's the best price I was able to find. Actually, both of those prices are the best price I'll be able to find. So, all our Colorado, New Jersey listeners, check out Tipico for that. I'm going my head-to-heads. Three of them going: Roy McElroy plus plus one twenty over John Rahm. That's at BetMGM. I'm taking Keith Mitchell minus one twenty-six over Paul Casey. That's at Fanduel. And I'm going Sungjae Im minus one twelve over Hideki Matsuyama at FanDuel as well. That's it. Those are your best bets. Um, That's all I got for this podcast. You got anything else to say, Nate? Yep, nope. Thanks for listening. Give us a rating. Yeah, shoot us a a positive review on Apple Podcasts. Show us some love on social media. Also, be sure to shop for the best price before making your final bets and always um, do your due diligence on the injury reports before making your final wagers. For Nate, this is Jeff from the Bet Slippin' Podcast. Until next week, peace. See ya.
0: This is the Bet Slippin' Podcast, featuring Jeff Clark from USA
1: Today Sportsbook Wire. i bet you 20 bucks I can get you gambling before the end of the day. No way. I mean, it's the gambling business. Occasionally you get punched in the face. You're listening to the Bet Slippin' Podcast. I'm shocked, shocked to find that gambling is going on in here.